Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Iowa Type Theory Commute. Um, <clears throat> listeners of the Iowa Type Theory Commute will notice there's no background car noise, because I'm not actually commuting or driving anywhere right now. This is a stay-at-home special edition. And um, so I want to continue the, uh, the discussion we've been having so far about computer check proofs and for software. And <clears throat> more generally, we could speak of what's called formal methods software. Again, I'm really not crazy about the name at all, but um, it basically just means applying some kind of formal deductive reasoning to, you know, whatever your system is. And so it could be software, it could be in the past, you know, hardware designs, and, and still in the present, hardware designs um, get subjected to this kind of thing. Um, and, uh, but um, I'm interested in software, and as I told you last time, um, you know, there's a lot of you know, in the past, a lot of great, uh, great case was made for using these kind of methods for um, software that was somehow really critical, like safety or life critical or mission critical, sort of, you know, finance critical, um, <clears throat> where, you know, the cost of a bug could be, in, you know, really expensive in monetary terms or even in terms of human life or <clears throat> societal problems, this kind of thing. So, um, I mean, I still think those are extremely compelling use cases. But um, I'm just a regular little programmer. I don't, you know, program nuclear reactors or submarines or anything like that, even though that sounds really amazingly cool. Um, so I'm just interested in formal methods or proofs of some kind um, for just sort of more regular, ordinary software. Now, the thing I want to talk about today a little bit, sort of two things. First of all, um, what kind of formal methods we might want to, I personally am interested in applying to software and why. And... Um, and sort of how do we think about what's sort of a sensible approach to take for applying um, this kind of computer check proofs or any of those kind of things to software. And so I guess let's start with the second part there. I mean, I mentioned a few times ago that, um, that the reported amount of work required to formalize the Kepler conjecture in, I think a lot of it was in a theorem prover called whole light, but maybe also some other ones. You know, it was, the number was over 200 person years. Now, um, imagine that you're writing uh, a little helper script to do something, you know, like you want to, um, I, I have kids and I sometimes write little programs to generate um, worksheets for them, which they just love. And uh, uh, you can generate an infinite number of worksheets with the, some little Haskell program. But, um, you know, am I proposing to spend several hundred person years of effort, you know, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> ridiculous, <laughs> oh goodness, um, you know, let's just say a, a large amount of effort on making, you know, proving things about that little script, no, definitely not, that would be totally silly, um, you know, that kind of thing, you just run it a couple of times, oh, do a little bit of super light testing just to get it to work, um, I'm not really fussed if there's some weird corner case I'm missed, <laughs> it just runs a program some other program with some number of times and generates some PDFs. I mean, it's no big deal. So I certainly am not proposing um, to apply formal methods, you know, get out the, the you know, the big weapons, um, you know, for every little program that comes along. Uh, and at, in fact, I, I get the impression, and this was, you know, when I was, before I was born or I was a toddler or something, that there, you know, there was a previous generation that advocated um, formal methods for software. And I kind of get the impression that they a little bit 
more had the, you know, or at least gave off the aura that they sort of expected everyone to just do this kind of thing for every program they wrote, you know. And, I mean, that's just, I, I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but definitely um, in the past, people who were, you know, strongly advocating using these kind of things, I think ended up giving a, a bad impression. And that, that's sort of, perhaps an impression that, you know, if you didn't apply this stuff all the time, then, you know, you were some kind of, you know, intellectual lightweight or, you know, coward or, or immoral or something. <laughs> and so, you know, that really leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. So um, I certainly don't feel that way about it. I mean, you know, I mean, mostly it, you know, one, one starts to find as you work in this area that you can challenge yourself with, well, should I, you know, could I be applying some of these methods to some of my own code? Can I, to use an expression of a decade ago, can I eat my own dog food or not? Um, <clears throat> and, you know, it's a, it's a challenging question. And so, but I think part of my answer is I don't, um, I don't think we should be trying to impose these things on people. I think we should be trying to give people the option of using these kind of methods. And furthermore, the option shouldn't be um, either do nothing and sort of proceed with, as usual or spend 200 person years of effort on something. I mean, that's just crazy. Of course, there should be a continuum. And so we need to look for methods that give you a continuum or give you at least sort of the prayer that you could um, have a continuum of effort and hopefully get some kind of continuum of improvement. Now, you know, so that is if I, if I spend more time and effort and maybe try to prove more properties about my code, um, prove deeper properties, you know, whatever, this sort of thing, that maybe I would get, um, but sure, then I would get better quality software, but it might take longer to do and be harder. Um, and, I, and I think that that is actually a pretty achievable goal. Um, that with the techniques we have today, that you can do, um, you can get this kind of pay-as-you-go sort of approach to software um, correctness. Um, at least, at least in the kind of settings that I'm thinking of, and um, so I think that's I think that's really important that, that we have the option. We're trying to give people an option to do this sort of thing for their code, in the hopes, it, and to let them you know decide how much effort they want to spend. Again, if I'm writing a little script to do a one-off script to do something, I'm not going to do any of that. On the other hand, say I'm writing some kind of library that I intend. For people to use quite a bit and maybe to use for a long time well i might really care to get that thing just as great as i possibly could be and so it might make a lot of sense to invest time and effort in um trying to verify things about it and so and you know and there's a continuum in between and i think as we i personally can tell you stories of the experience of applying a sort of a small amount of this kind of technology to your software and seeing big correctness improvements. Um, and partly, you know, this, this kind of leads into a, a little bit of a different direction um, from what I was planning to talk about. But partly, I mean, the, the kind of um, methods that I favor um, mostly center around functional code. And, you know, so type theory is in a sense, and this is the type theory community, even though we haven't really started talking about type theory yet, Type theory is um, is closely related, could be considered to be a form of functional programming, um, special advanced case of functional programming, or something like that. Um, and so, uh, functional programming um, is 
an unfamiliar, you know, so many people is a pretty unfamiliar way of programming. Um, and to put it succinctly, I mean, the you know, people sometimes talk about weak and strong functional programming. Um, and, yeah, again, this is taking a little drift from where I was thinking to, to, to talk about today, but, well, so be it. Um, you know, weak functional programming, the basic idea is that, just like, I like to say, just like in object-oriented programming, you're, if you're a programmer, hopefully you're familiar with these things, um, the idea of an object is kind of this central organizing abstraction of a lot of the language. You, you decompose your program based around the ideas of objects and classes. Um, in functional programming, you decompose your program, you sort of set everything up around functions. And they're functions that um, are, people often say, are first class. So in particular, you can pass functions as inputs to other functions and return functions as outputs from functions. So the functions are higher order. They can take functions and inputs. Um, that's essentially what higher order is. And um, now the reason I mentioned functional programming, so, so, so weak functional programming, that it just means this. Your, programs, your programming language pretty much um, strongly encourages you and sort of nudges you pretty firmly in the direction of um, organizing your code around higher order functions. Um, that's, that's weak functional programming. Um, actually, <laughs> it's funny that what, what I used to call strong functional programming or functional programming in the strong sense, but now I, there's an even stronger sense that I use, so I have to change my terminology a little bit, but um, pure, let's call it pure functional programming. Pure functional programming is functional programming where you don't have any side effects. So when you call a function, it's not allowed to do anything different from what it did the last time you called it. Um, there can't be any hidden state that your function is allowed to read or write as it does its business. Um, and this might seem like a, when you first hear about this sort of thing, you think, um, actually, well, probably when you first hear about it, it doesn't sound that crazy, but when you first, when you sort of start getting more into it, it starts to seem kind of nuts. <laughs> um, in particular with the treatment of things like input-output, because you know, if you have a function that does any input-output, um, well, let's say it does input, let's say it reads a character. Well, reading a character, um, if, you know, done naively, doesn't really fit into a functional programming, pure functional programming paradigm, because um, every time you read a character, and, you know, generally speaking, you're going to get a different character back. So calling the function twice gives you different results. There is some hidden state. It's the state of some input buffer or something like that. Um, that your program is consulting. And so that, that's not allowed in pure functional programming. So you say, I can't read a character? <laughs> what can I do? Um, well, clever people figured out um, nice abstractions to sort of getting around this problem. Uh, I don't want to talk about those right now, but um, I guess while I'm doing my sort of taxonomy of this, I'd like to come back to, to why. Um, why functional programming is particularly nice to work with for verification. Um, but there's this sort of, so there's weak functional programming, and then there's pure functional programming. And then I've learned not too long ago about an, something called strong functional programming. And strong functional programming is a form of pure functional programming. So every strong functional program is a pure functional program where um, all your programs are statically guaranteed to terminate. So um, they, they can't run forever. And your compiler actually checks this for you. And um, what, I, what I want to share about this, and this sort of gets back to this point about applying formal methods to software, 
it was it's my experience and I, as I got into fun functional programming and now I um, consider myself a pretty eager um, functional programmer pretty excited functional programmer but I, I definitely didn't, didn't start out that way in my programming life I came to that point after quite some time in the salt mines of other miserable languages <laughs> until I came to the shining promised land of pure functional programming um, and uh, sorry for everybody who doesn't like that sort of thing and likes their own language much better. Uh, but seriously, guys, it's so, so much better on, on the side of the fence. Uh, what I found was that at first when I was writing programs in a pure functional style, it was really irritating. It was just kind of like, how the heck am I supposed to do this? And then I, I don't remember what example program I was writing like this. I think it was some kind of like language, like it was like a parsing algorithm or something to do with the finite automata or something. And somewhere in there, there was this procedure. And I think I was actually not writing in a pure language. I think I was writing in OCaml, which is a weak, um, in the sense that I said, a weak functional programming language. Um, and I wrote this, the sum, you know, procedure, I wrote in a pure style. And it was just correct immediately. <laughs> and it was tricky. And I was just thinking, I was kind of in awe. I, th I think maybe I wrote an impure version first. I was having a really hard time getting it right. And for some reason, I just decided to try writing one that didn't have any side-affecting state. It was just all, um, all the state was kept explicit and passed around explicitly. And it just, it just worked so much better. And, um, and so in a sense, just that first step, in a sense, writing a pure functional program is already kind of a form of, using a form of formal methods because you're guaranteeing a pretty interesting property about your program just from the programming language itself. Um, you know, if you were writing in C or Java or something, you said, oh, I want to check that, that this function um, always returns the same answer given the same inputs. I mean, holy cow, that could be a really involved verification. But in a, in a pure function programming language, the language is all set up to ensure that that's true. You actually don't have to verify anything. You just write your code following an admittedly, you know, somewhat unfamiliar style. Um, and I teach this stuff to undergraduates here at the University of Iowa, and the, the screams are, are audible quite a ways away as they are so amazingly frustrated that they can't, you know, modify the values of variables or change data structures and things like that um, in, a, in a mutable, you know, they don't have mutable data structures. Anyway, so, um, so uh, that's an example where kind of like a little dose of something that m many people probably wouldn't even consider to be formal methods, just writing in a pure functional language, can already... Um, improve the quality of your code a lot. Uh, and, and I could tell you other stories of just, you know, writing some program and doing some verification. There's, there's a sort of like a, what do they call it, the sort of broken window theory that if you kind of patch up, if you apply some of these kind of methods and, and just sort of improve certain areas of your code, it has a tendency to make everything go better. Um, partly because, you know, to get a proper improvement of your program is a pretty arduous, you know, pretty hard, even if it's kind of a lightweight thing. And along the way, it sort of forces you to straighten out your code a, a, a bit. You know, so things that were kind of, you're playing fast and loose here or there, that's just not going to fly when it's time to prove something. And so um, you end up kind of getting your code in better order. And lo and behold, that sort of makes it work better overall. Even, even things that you weren't setting out to verify um, somehow seem to, to work better and, and are you know, closer to being always true. Um, even though you didn't actually prove anything about them. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, so I guess that's really all I wanted to say for now. Um, it's just the idea of applying 
formal methods or proofs about software sort of in a continuum of, of amount of effort and appropriate to the kind of importance of the software that we're writing. And then this idea of functional programming, and we'll, we'll, this sort of starts to lead into the type theory idea of the, this, this podcast, so um, we'll certainly return to that. Thank you for listening.